Thanks for joining us for Mississippi Prospects, a podcast focused on economic and community development across our state. I'm your host, Jeff Brent, and this podcast is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council. Kim Moore joined Newmark in 2014 as part of the firm's global strategy and consulting team, a practice within the firm's global corporate services. Kim leads the Economic Incentives Advisory and Economic Development Consulting Services practices, and with a diverse background in economic development, incentive negotiation, site selection, and strategic planning, she leads marketing efforts and strategic planning for both the private and public sectors. Kim is based in Dallas. Kim Moore, welcome to Mississippi Prospects. Thanks for being here this morning. Oh, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's been a wonderful conference. I've learned so much and got to meet such great people. Well, and we're here today and you're at the conference to talk about really one of my favorite topics. And that's livability. (laughs) I love the unbridled enthusiasm. Livability. And what we were just discussing uh, a little while ago is we used to call quality of life thinking it was livability, but there's really a difference. What are those differences? Sure. One of my favorite things to talk about is, you know, I came into economic development 20 some odd years ago and we used to argue, like, do I put quality of life on my website? Do we include it? I don't know. Is it important enough? And as the years have gone by, it has literally just skyrocketed to the top. And it really does come down to recruitment and retention of potential employees for a company. And therefore, it's more than just, you know, quality of life and being able to list your assets. And it's how do I live here? How do I play here? How do I work here? How do I become a good resident within the community? So, you know, from a standpoint, quality of life, China transitioned into livability because we feel like it encompasses so much more than just, you know, quality. It's got to be quantity and, you know, it's intangible, it, you know, hard to measure those kinds of things. But it's really, really important to the happiness of your employee and your staff. One of my favorite stories of my own personal experiences uh, in quality of life, when I first got into this industry myself um, several years ago, we were giving a presentation, uh, speaking with a consultant. We got to the point in the presentation that was quality of life. And this gentleman looked at us, said, "Mm, everybody's got it. Move on. You know, what was driving the topic at the time were the projects, you know, were the available sites. Of course, workforce has always been there. And then incentives were higher in the conversation and earlier. But we have completely flipped that script now. Where, where do you rank it often in a lot of your uh, projects? Um, it's getting higher and higher. Um, it, you know, it depends on the project, um, you know, and what you're working on. So my specialties are usually c- corporate headquarters, you know, shared service back office. So a lot of commercial type. They took it on early. They adopted that early. It's usually along with their company culture. Your community becomes an extension of their company culture. So it's incredibly important to them that the community match what they're trying to accomplish with the culture of their community. So it's been really high for those folks. Um, However, manufacturing is a little bit of a later adopter. Uh, They have a tendency to come into things a little bit slower, but they get there. And um, it's becoming more and more important to them. And that has a big deal to do with 
the demand for labor and the shortage of good skilled labor. And then you add on COVID and what happened with that and everybody starting to use this new work from home pattern and people didn't necessarily have to stay in Silicon Valley. They could find a better place to be that maybe had some wide open spaces and some outdoor recreation and had those opportunities. So they left the big cities and started exploring the U.S. And with that, it was people finding those amenities that they wanted in their life and they thought that were important. And then that draws those companies into other locations of thinking, oh my gosh, I have an access to a you know staff or to em- potential employees that I never had access to before because I wasn't really thinking that that's where we needed to be, whatever community that might be. And then all of a sudden there's like a pocket of people there and you're like, oh, we should check that out. Um, you know, a lot of our technology com- clients have really started looking at that and they started thinking like, wow, if we looked at these communities because they have these amenities and they're not your top tier communities, I wonder what kind of access we would get. And they've been super surprised and pleased with it. And then these you know, people are super happy with where they are because they have this you know, balance of life and work. And then they also have things to do and places to go and places to gather and those types of things that are important to them and in the happiness of just being a human, much less being an employee. <laughs> what are some of those amenities that you look for now in a community? that are important to your clients. It was really funny because like when we first started, we were like, hmm, what do you think? And I was like, oh, you know, breweries and coffee shops. That's got to be the cool places to be because that's where everybody goes to hang out and work. And then it jumped to distilleries and all of a sudden you saw distilleries pop up everywhere. And uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, but basically you're looking for good outdoor environment, though you know, most people want to have some way to go jogging, walking, fishing, walk their dog, play with their dog, um, you know, just trying to think there's there's so many different things um you know a great live music scene or things to do like the streets don't roll up at six o'clock you know they want to know that there's some cool places to go or this really funky library or things that you just don't get to experience everywhere and every community has a unique asset they i always encourage them like you know you lived there you picked that job to be an economic developer in that community for a reason and you love your community anytime you ever talk to an economic developer they are the proudest people in the world about the community that they live in and represent they're super vicious don't ever say anything that you know that could be challenging to them because they will defend to the death that their community is the best community ever and i'm always really surprised how few of them you you get caught caught up in the daily of being in economic development and then you're like oh my gosh you know we got to improve our school districts yes a lot of places need to work on improving their school districts but guess what if you have the second best school district in the state you don't lead with we all i know our school districts need to improve you'd be like dude we have the second best school district in the state, Um, you know, kind of scenarios. And so you kind of forget because you're fighting the battles of wanting to be better and have a wonderful community that everybody's happy to be in that you forget why you're there. And one of my favorite things is to recommend to economic developers is once a month, go do something touristy. You know, like, you know, when you've lived there for 20 years, you forget kind of the, you know, going to the Christmas event, you know, or the lighting of the tree in downtown or whatever that may be that's yours. And then you go and you're like, oh, my gosh, I forgot about, you know, the wassail that they have at this event that's just so special. And it's my grandmother's recipe. And I oh, it just brought back all these memories and these feelings. And that, I think, is what really is. It's not like a set amenity. It's almost like a feeling that you get from the community that, you know, it's a great place to be. It makes you warm and fuzzy and you feel like family. You feel like you fit in. Um, you know, you it, it gets you. You get it in that scenario. Um, so it's not just like one or two things 
things. But yes, we do measure some of those things. But I think it's a, it's a lot of intangibles, and that's what makes it such a hard concept to grasp. Museums, culture, uh, art museums, walkability, mm-hmm. bikeability, yes, bikeability for sure. Um, you know, restaurants. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've been talking about that a little bit. <laughs> yeah, any any good place has a place that can get to you that you're just like, oh my gosh, the food here is fantastic. Um, we recently did a project where we were going through a state and you know like made it a goal to be like we're going to eat this one traditional dish that they're like known for in every little part we visit just to see how different it would switch from different places. And it was such a fun experiment, and it really did change throughout the entire state as we took this tour and we ate this one dish. Um, but well, I'll talk about that trip because it was something that was kind of fun and meaningful. And, you know, it could be animals that you're, no, you know, only you have, you know, you don't know that somebody's never seen an alligator before, uh, you know, and it's be, other people are like, oh, alligators, they're so, you know, they're such a nuisance, but it's like, oh my gosh, that's a real alligator, yeah. you know, kind of scenario. And it, it's just ways that make you unique and special and unforgettable because you provide an experience that implants or imprints on someone. Um, you know, like I said, it's also in the, in the storytelling of what you're trying to do. Um, so many times we give data points, you know, we're number two in this or where we've got 75% of that or whatever it is. And that those are great statistics. But sometimes out of context, it doesn't really mean much. It doesn't ha- it doesn't sit. It doesn't resound. And but if you told me a story about how you created this woman came in and she created a new program and it was just phenomenal and everything was growing from it. And she create, you know, started getting into, you know, bringing in underprivileged kids into a program. That type of thing is going to I'm going to remember that story because there's so much more with that. And there's so much more that resonates with that story than, you know, we trained 22 kids in coding this year. You know, I think people tend to remember experiences based on how they were made to feel at that time, whether the meal was experiential or the interaction, you know, somebody, you know, made them feel wonder or surprise or anything. And you touched on in your presentation being unforgettable, you know, and I think that's the experiential part. Why is that so important? You know, because like you said, the manufacturing side may be a little slower to start focusing on uh, livability, uh, a lot of data. And, you know, these were data driven decisions. And this is the part where you're trying to be unforgettable. And that's a feeling. Um, so why, why is that? And how do you become unforgettable? So I think it comes down to experience. And there's a lot of things that make, that imprint that into your memory. And so I m- remember traveling and I was going to this hotel and they gave this hotel a personality. Um, it actually has a name. It's not like a normal chain name. It's it's a human name. And you don't know whether it, it has no assignment of uh, it's non-binary. It has, you know, this personality. It kind of fits with the culture. It's a little classy, but it's also still a little rock and roll. And it's just really fun to be there. And it, it's reflected in their furniture. It's reflected in their art. But the crazy thing is I had such a fantastic time at that hotel in that community. And it really wasn't even just anything more than just that hotel was an experience that the smell in the hotel makes me happy. And I called them and I said, what is it that you pump through your hotel? Because it's amazing and it makes me happy. And they gave me what that was. And that was my only request for Christmas. So my house now smells like that hotel (laughs) and it makes me happy. And it's just the strangest thing, but that's exactly what it is about a community. There are the, the sights, the sounds and the smells and the experiences of being there and having that original 
community. There's always that original you as a community. And that's what really makes you unforgettable. So having those pockets where this is an amazing, you know, story to go with a restaurant, you know, this gentleman relocated here after a natural disaster, opened up a restaurant, it's been successful. And now you have Cajun food in Minnesota, you know, kind of scenario or whatever that story is. It's just important to tell it, give it that empathy that can re- people can relate to. And then you start to be, it starts to show the heart of your community, which is one of the hardest things to do. You know, a lot of people ask, you know, but my, my community is so special and we have such big hearts and we have these things. And how do I get that into, you know, you to understand that? And I love the stories of the one, you know, rural communities really even struggle with this. They try to figure out like, how am I, I'm so tiny, what do I do and how do I stand out? And I remember I was doing a study with someone and they were telling, talking about and showed us a social media campaign for a local farmer who had gotten cancer and all the remaining farmers in town plowed his fields, sold his crops to make sure that he and his family received money, didn't starve and that he could continue treatment. And I'm like, that that's how you show the heart of your community. It shows that everybody comes together. We're all family here. This is how it's going to work. Um, another wonderful story that I had was we were there with a client with a with a gentleman who was an economic development director, and he was pretty new to the community. And I remember he he could see him kind of like have that internal battle, like do I say it? Do I not say it? I don't know. And then you know the company was like, well, but how do we get in and how do we be part of this community? Like, will we be accepted? Will we be able to to be a part of it? And he told us personal, personal story about how he literally had just moved to the community three weeks before and um, had gotten really, really ill immediately. And he's like, I didn't know anybody and my family wasn't here. I hadn't even had time to make friends yet. And yet the community came together and started bringing food to his house, making sure his lawn was mowed, taking care of things while he recovered. And he's like, I'll never live anywhere else in my life. He's like, I'm moving my parents here now and this is going to be our new home um, just because of the way the people gather together. And those types of experiences are are important because one of the things that's coming, you know, and has been growing in importance for our clients is aftercare. You know, again, community livability is talking about the fact that I'm going to live here for a really long time. How do I make this place my home and how do I feel, you know, fit in and where can I help? You know, that's the best type of company, right? Is the one that wants to come in and be like, plug me in. I'm ready to help. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the things and and having that aftercare is so important. And that you were asking earlier, how, what do you, what do you count? Well, guess what? The, the responsiveness of an economic development group, the details they provide and how well that you guys are doing business retention weighs into our decision-making as site selectors, because we know what, you know, at a certain point, we have to step away from our clients and our clients have to spread their wings and fly. And that's when we turn them over to you and you have to take care of them. And they have to know that I can call Jeff and he's going to tell me what I need and he's going to tell me who I need to talk to. And he's going to make sure that I, you know, my power stays on and we stay operational. And if I, you know, I need to have a job fair, who, who you know, where's the best place to advertise? Because you're the one who has that 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 link. You're the, the soul of the community to point everybody in the right direction. And it really has become something that's an important part of our clients' lives is to know, well, what happens when we plant the, you know, it's all great when we're there for the ribbon cutting or the shovel, you know, turning of the dirt and, you know, but what happens when I open the doors and, you know, three years from now we're struggling, what, you know, will I have someone to call? Will somebody be there to help me? And it's amazing when we can make those partners and economic developers come to the table and yeah, I'm, I'm your person, you call me and I take care of that and we'll make sure it's fits. Do you think a lot of communities when they struggle to tell their story, identify those, you know, 
assets uh, that they, like you said, some very unique uh, anecdotal stories, but really showed how caring a community is. Do you think they're sometimes too close to the product and taking it for granted? I mean, for example, I, you know, I lived in South Louisiana, you know, many years ago, almost 30 years ago. And, you know, the people down there, well, no, I never go in the French Quarter. You know, that's for the tourists. But yet that's that's a huge a globally known asset for that community. Um, and the same thing for the town I grew up in. I'm sure there were lots of things that I just took for granted. I passed by every day. Didn't couldn't see that forest through the trees. Oh my gosh, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest things of, uh, you know, you get comfortable, you know, you have your routine and that's your routine, but you don't really look at your community necessarily through fresh eyes. And sometimes that's a really good idea, you know, to like really think about when I bring somebody into town, what is the best drive-in because it has beautiful trees or, you know, this great neighborhood or anything like that that just kind of puts that personal vibe to it, you know, but, also, you know, show with the realness of your community and all the different things. So we talk a lot about assets, but I also want to talk about amenities. Uh, there's a lot of things. There's a difference to that. Assets are wonderful things that you have. And, you know, you have a, an airport and you have a beautiful downtown. But then there's amenities, right? There's other little things that are things to do, events that you host, places that you grow. Um, and this is why I always recommend that, you know, a great partner in this is your Convention and Visitors Bureau, is your tourism folks, because they're consistently trying to figure out how to tell your story of your community to someone who's A, never been there before, or is just a transient and coming in and out. And so they know, they, they kind of research and know these little things in these little pockets. And like I mentioned earlier, go visit them. You know, yes, it's not your normal thing. Yes, it's very touristy, but go and visit them. Um, my husband's from San Antonio, Texas, mm -hmm. and I grew up in South Texas, but I didn't spend much time in San Antonio until I met him. And one Christmas I was like, I've always heard the lights on the river walk are just beautiful. I would love to go to the lights on the river walk. And it became kind of a family joke because they're like, why would you want to go do that? And I'm like, because I've never seen them before. And I heard they were really pretty. And he was like, OK, we're going to go. And then lots of fun family drama and just like flat tires. I could go through a million times <laughs> and reasons why I, for years I didn't still did not see the lights in downtown San Antonio. But finally, when one Christmas we did actually make it down and I got to finally see the lights in San Antonio and we actually took the boat. My husband hadn't done one of the boats on the Riverwalk in decades. Um, it had been 20 plus years and we got off and I was like, oh, my gosh, that was so pretty. and That was so nice. And what a neat way to look at everything. And he got done and he's like, I forgot how lovely it is. And that's why it's so important to sometimes, even against your better judgment, to go and experience something as a tourist, as a new person, or with someone who is a tourist and a new person, to see and get their reaction and their opinion to something that you just take for granted. But it definitely happens for sure. In the uh, in economic development world, then it sounds like it'd be really beneficial, uh, besides working with your CVB, also maybe getting somebody from the outside to give you that fresh perspective again. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's one of the my favorite things is to go into a community um, as a site selector. And then, you know, one of some of the first things you do is you just start checking off like your list of like, OK, they have this and they have that and they have this and they have that. Um, you know, we watch the news in our hotel rooms, um, you know, 
don't discount that we don't know kind of what's going on because we're just we're curious by nature. Um, so like helping us figure out where we need to be. I mean, we're renowned for just walking off from our hotel and walking around a neighborhood and just taking a look around and trying to, again, you know, talking to the bellhop, the Uber driver, you know, whoever it is about what it's like to be here. You know, what do they like about it? What do they don't? Um, and, you know, and you get a mixed bag of answers. You know, there's always like the, the teenager who's ready to get out and can't wait to leave, which is all of us when we were teenagers if you think about it. I know that gives, you know, part palpitations to a lot of economic developers, but we've all been there. We all had to go sow our oats and most of, you know, you, we're talking about like the boomerang uh things that are going on with workforce these days is where all the kids went away to college and now they're all coming back because they have kids and they want to be closer to mom, <laughs> you know, kind of scenario happenings across the the U.S. And uh, it's, it's definitely one of those things where the, you know, if you had training and you at least give them some ideas of some things that they could possibly show, you know, that's a great thing because when I talk to them and my Uber driver is like, oh, you know, there's this great bar around the corner and it's got live music and every once in a while Bono shows up, you know, to play, which I have been in a cab where they told me that and they're like, it's, it's unique, it happens, but he does show up and you're like, what? Like the U2 lead singer just comes out of the blue into this hole in the wall bar in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you should go do that. Oh, yeah. And by the way, their grilled cheese sandwich is the best thing in the world and you'll never forget it. Um, and those types of conversations are amazing to have. Um, so I always recommend that, you know, tourism economic dollars, be sure that you're having those conversations with communities, having those hospitality trainings about, you know, those hotel workers, those cab drivers, everyone should really know like what is available in your community to do and enjoy. Cause you just never know who you've got in your car. And we're going to ask a lot of questions. Do you find sometimes that communities are reluctant to talk about the warts? Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and it's so funny because we, you know, there's a lot of tricks, to, you know, to, to site selection. And one of ours is to, to usually ask, like, what is what is your biggest challenge? And the most frustrating answer is when they answer nothing. Because no community is perfect. We know not. that. You know, everybody's got their flaws or their rough spots. But what we want to hear is you to take ownership of that and be like, oh, yeah, we, um, our school district could be better. But guess what? We have the top three performing high schools and it's actually ranked on U.S. News and World Report or we've got wonderful other you know, schools to offer and support that through private options, you know, religious organizations and other things that can kind of fill those gaps. And that basically makes for a better opportunity. So if you tell me you have a flaw, but then you tell me how you're fixing it or how you have other options, that's what we want to hear. Because one, it's creative problem solving. We know that you're going to just, you're not just going to be like, oh, yep, that's terrible. And we just know it's terrible. You know, we're seeing, unfortunately, a national spike in uh, crime. How is that affecting livability of communities right now? I know uh, we all tend to think it's unique to our own community where we might see a rise in gun violence or something, but it's, it's not just happening in one place. It's happening across the country. Has that been a frustration point? Um, it, it depends on the company. It depends on what they're doing. I mean, everybody wants to be safe. You know, from a site selection perspective, our entire reason for being is to reduce risk. Mm -hmm. That is what our clients want. They want to be in the least riskiest environment for them to operate and be successful. Uh, so it, is that getting a little more challenging these days? Yes, there's a, there is a lot of rise in crime. Um, you know, but just like everything else, there's the right places to be and there's the wrong places to be. And, you know, but we don't, what we don't want is somebody trying to like just jade the truth. Um, you know, we, I, we were working on a project recently and it was a really large, um, 
company, they had some really specific requirements. And one of the folks that was there to provide that requirement, uh, you know, statistics are statistics. You can kind of fudge them to be your best friend. Um, you're, you're not you're not exactly lying. You're just repositioning them in another way. And they tried to reposition them in another way that made them look a little bit better than what we all knew was true and in, in forward facing and um you know, little omission to make some numbers look prettier. And that's just not, you know, what needs to be done. You know, you need to be open and honest because it really is part of the the site selection process of developing trust between us. Yeah. You know, that's why one of those things, like some of the questions we ask kind of do hint on something that it's like, okay, this is a test moment. Are you going to be open and honest and we're going to have a good conversation? Or are you going to be the one who's going to go completely sales <laughs> car salesman <laughs> and sell me, sell me on something. And, and, you know, and then we know that it's not going to be that genuine interaction, but if you actually do have that moment of vulnerability and be able to own, yeah, it, it's, it's bad, but we've got a new police chief. He's been working on this. We've got some new things that we're employing, you know, to help lower crime in that area. You know, there are some other things that we could possibly do about, you know, hiring private security for your facility. If you have an answer, Again, yeah. that that addresses yes, we have it, but we're working on these things to improve it. Um, you know, we're not happy with it either. Kind of scenario. That to us is a way where we've oh, all right, they're honest, they're open, they're working on it. This is a thing. So we start to build that rapport through that relationship of honesty, and it's like okay, we'll share a little bit more, and then you share a little bit more, and then we start to go back and forth. And those to me are the most successful. I feel when we're doing site selection projects is when we find that community that's willing to own a little bit of their own risk, and then but also you know working to mitigate it. Um, and I think that that's a, a good response for our clients is to know that, well, we're just not going to let it keep getting worse or we're going to, you know, or, you know, yeah, that's just the way it is kind of scenario. But unfortunately, there's a couple things in life um, that if you have an impact to it, that just really <clears throat> have a long-term struggle to recover from. And it just takes a really good PR campaign by you to just continually get it out there. And this is one of the ways social media can be so helpful yeah. uh, in this organization. But it's like, you know, uh, my favorite example is like everybody complains that there's never any enough parking in downtown. So how do you tell everybody that there's enough parking in downtown? You literally start tweeting out, like we have 754 paid parking spaces in downtown. And guess what? You don't have to pay to park after 6 p.m. because we want everybody to be in downtown. Um, and you kind of tweet those things out over and over and over again. But things like crime, things like school district ratings, you know, those can be long term having to tell that story over and over again, that it's better, that it has improved, that things have changed. And you're just going to have to keep pushing that information out on how you're working to change it. And, the you know, it may, they may be baby steps, but baby steps are steps. So and I find that some of the biggest critics are right there in the middle of it. <laughs> Yeah, we, we kind of always laugh because unfortunately the reason they are so long lasting, especially like around school districts, is somebody had a bad experience when their kids were in school 20 years ago. They've never had a kid in your school district since, but yet they're still remembering the bad time they had 20 years ago. And that's the story they tell everybody. And your school district could have changed a million times over, but it's just so hard to stop those stories and those personal experiences that they continue to put out there. So you got to fight it back with your own statistics and stories to tell how much it's changed and how much better it's getting. So what are a few simple things that communities can do right now to both enhance the livability of their area and better tell their story? Listen to the people that live there. Uh, I think that's one, you know, so 
do some focus groups, do some some you know outreach, um, especially with some young professionals, because they're they're pretty open and they're really ready to share like what they would love to see in the community. But everybody usually has an opinion of how they would like to see something improve, or oh, we really love to have that, or oh, we love that festival, but we don't like that one. Um, you know those kinds of things. And I think having those kind of focus groups and understanding just what your your residents need and want to be you know, sustained in their community is a good place to start. Um, Then, you know, think about the different things that uh, you can do. So like, you know, people forget to like talk about their parks plan. You know, they forget to talk about, oh, well, we're adding biking lanes or, oh, we're adding trails and we're connecting rails to trails. And now you can go from here to here, uh, you know, without ever, you know, having to come onto the road and so safe and so amazing. Or, oh my gosh, um, we have these amazing bass fishing tournaments that you could participate in. There's so many different things that they can really get out there. So don't forget the normal your everyday normal life could be really interesting to somebody else. And, you know, that's one of the things I always find really fascinating uh, with some of the, especially with some of the smaller rural communities is, you know, we'll go in there and they're like, oh my gosh, we're on the best bass lake in all of the state. And we have these tournaments and people come here from all over the world, you know, to sail or to fish or to do whatever. And you're like, are you marketing to them while they're here? You're like, do you ever sit down and have a booth and just like, this is what it's like to live here? Cause you know, you've got college fishing teams now. And I wish that was a thing when I was in college. I'm so sad. I missed that. I would have been a fantastic college fisherman. Just saying, <laughs> I think I could have got a scholarship. It's, it's never too late. Uh, no, I live on the lake for a reason. <laughs> it's because I love to fish. It's so peaceful. It's so wonderful. But I just think like, you know, you've got these college fishing teams now and you've got these people who are literally coming to fish in your lake because because your lake has the best fish in the whole wide world, you know, to fish for these contests. Yet nobody ever thinks to talk to these college kids about wouldn't it be awesome to have a job and live right here and be able to put your boat in at five o'clock when you get off work and you can go bass fishing all afternoon or on the weekends or before you even go into work bright and early in the morning if you want to get up and do so. And they come in and all these people come from thousands of miles away and then they go away and they just experience the lake and nobody's really talked to them about just, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? you got to have a job at some point and you know guess what fishing guides is a job and we have a great lake (laughs) why isn't this something you're thinking about and why isn't my community something you're thinking about to do it in uh so i think that that's some of the things that you can immediately do is really take a look at when you know if you have a festival or you have a thing that's bringing in hundreds of thousands of people or tens of thousands of people or even hundreds of people why are you not telling your best story about why this is a place they should really think about being permanently? And when you start to tell that story, it's going to start to pull all those things together. And it's things that you can share with other people. And again, talk to your tourism folks. They probably have a video or two already made of the fun things to do in your community. Make sure that you're integrating that into your marketing messaging as well. Um, You know, that it's not, you know, the business case is the business case and it's important. But there's also a personal case that has to be met, um, you know, with that. And I'll use an example. When I was working on a corporate headquarters relocation one time, they were really, really concerned, you know, about how they were going to transition their employees. And one of the things that we worked on was, okay, well, if you're going to move to our community, we will help you by making sure that your employees that have, you know, chronic healthcare issues get spots with doctors that are in that specialty without having to wait a month 
So just get us a list. We'll start calling our friends and, you know, in the healthcare industry, we'll make sure that they have a doctor that they can transition their care to immediately. If you've got, you know, a spouse that needs employment, we're going to help them find a job. So we'll host special, you know, fairs to make sure that those secondary spouses, you know, have a place to be when they come back. You know, you, we want you to be a member of the community. Let Tell us what your interests are. We're going to get you on boards and commissions so that you can get in and start influencing the community immediately. Um, private schools, like I said, if you you know if you don't want to put our, your kids in public schools and you're concerned if there's a private school, we'll we'll talk to the private schools and hold some spots open for you. It was all very intangible things. You know, people sometimes talk about that. You know, it's incentives are all about the money, right? It, but it's not all about the money because you really have to understand who you're talking to. And that CEO has a huge lift, and he's going to have to tell a lot of people that they're going to either have to move or they're not going to have a job. And that's a really complicated story to to say. So anything that helps him make that communication simpler, easier, and gets them excited about this new location that they're going to be in is incredibly important to him. And you can honestly watch the the look on their face as they're like, okay, my people are going to be okay. We're going to be okay. Um, Because it is a big decision and you, they have to be made for many, many reasons. And, but the biggest thing is, is it's the most impactful on the employees that are going to either have to move or, you know, find something new. So, she finally got to see the lights in San Antonio. We're going to bring her to see the lights in Mississippi. Kim Moore, thanks for joining us on Mississippi Prospects. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mississippi Prospects is brought to you by the Mississippi Economic Development Council, the Mississippi Development Authority, Cooperative Energy, Entergy, Greater Jackson Alliance, Mississippi Power, MWB, the Tennessee Valley Authority, Atmos Energy, the Area Development Partnership, Butler Snow, Jones Walker, Madison County Economic Development Authority, the Mississippi Research Consortium, the North Mississippi Industrial Development Association, and Rankin First Economic Development Authority, and produced by MWB Studios. If you have questions or comments, join us on Twitter at MEDC Info.